We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, January 27th. Nick Whalen. Back with James Anderson. James, a ton to get to today. You and I have not really spoken at length about the NBA draft, which was just under a week ago as we record on on Thursday afternoon. So we'll dive into that a little bit. Um, And then plenty of free agency and, uh, you know, trades, all kinds of behind the scenes type of things going on leading up to the actual start of free agency, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night. Uh, But we'll start with the draft. So you had your wife's birthday on draft night it did how did you manage that how much of the draft were you able to watch were you able to postpone any birthday festivities (laughs) it actually ended up being about as good as i could hope for i mean it it's part of i mean it was nice that this is not a great draft in the first place so um i was able to watch i think uh the first 
10 or so picks at home before we went out to dinner. And then the place that we went to dinner, uh, my, our table was, I had a direct, uh, eyeline to the, uh, bar TV. So I was able to kind of follow it during dinner a little bit. Um, huge, but yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. I mean, it, this isn't a draft that I'm just absolutely devastated. I couldn't follow, uh, oh. minute by minute, but it's, uh, yeah, I think the the really interesting stuff happened from picks, you know, like four to twelve, eleven, or four and then after that, four to fifteen. Or. At one point in like the end of the first round, going into the second round, there were nineteen consecutive picks that were at one point traded. So I yeah. think the Warriors made their pick at like twenty eight. They took Jordan Poole, and then yeah, the next nineteen after that. Uh, until we got to, I think it was the Spurs at 49. Every single one of those picks was either traded on draft night or had been traded before, which was kind of the theme of the night. I think like the biggest takeaway, uh, especially if you're a casual fan or if you were following on Twitter, like the, the thing I saw complained about the most was if you weren't really diving in pick for pick and like doing the research, you had no idea what team half of these guys were going to. So I like, guess someone who was watching kind of in the background you know you're only seeing what espn is showing what mm-hmm. hats and graphics are on like did you i mean were you just completely i guess astounded it's probably too strong a word <laughs> but like to come home and realize like half the guys you thought were on one team are actually on another team uh well i didn't i don't think i was able to follow it closely enough to have like any sort of firm things in my head about what, what like, <laughs> i had no thought but but um i i i think the theme to me was just teams really really trusted their evaluations on guys and were willing to uh pay up to go get the mm-hmm. guys that they thought were the best player available and you know i think it probably all starts with that uh trade up by atlanta trade back by new orleans and i think that deandre hunter is an excellent fit with the hawks i think that they better be right about him to justify what they gave up to go up and get that that pick and i i assumed deandre hunter wouldn't have made it to eight but uh that's i mean we don't know that for sure and i think it was a missed opportunity by the pelicans to take uh the guy who i think is the third best player in the draft and darius garland at four i i think my least favorite development of the entire draft was that the pelicans took jackson hayes at eight yep. i think that that just is a a horrific fit when you consider that their three building blocks basically are guys who either can't shoot or haven't proven they can shoot and you're drafting a center who's never going to be able to shoot and so you're you're well and it's i mean you all you already have to look local for so that, you know there's a lot of overlap you know in terms it, of your <laughs> your long-term star I, center i mean there's so like Drew Holiday and uh, um, what's his face uh, from Virginia, uh, Alexander Walker. <laughs> no, no. Well, actually, yeah, Drew Holiday and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker might be their two best shooters. Uh, I was gonna say, um, uh, why can't I think of Virginia uh, or Villanova? Josh Hart. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But like Josh Hart's probably like their third best shooter, and yeah, that's not where you want to be i mean maybe etuan moore is their third best shooter but like they're like lonzo ball brandon ingram zion williamson that's like what this new era is sort of being built around and uh to take a guy at eight that can't shoot and won't shoot 
it just didn't make any sense to me. I mean, this is the type of like the way the NBA is trending. A guy like Jackson Hayes, I just don't see the argument for taking him inside the top twelve. Really, it, no matter what your needs are, no matter what your evaluation on him is. I mean, it's just he's a a center that can block shots and can mm-hmm. dunk, and that's about it. And uh, having that guy next to Zion Williamson, like I, I think you absolutely need your your other big to be a stretch big. Like yes. it just doesn't make any sense to me to to go with two non shooting bigs as your uh, front court of the future. I mean, what is the absolute best case for Jackson Hayes? He's Clint Capella. Yeah, and look, I mean, Clint Capella, as he's, we've talked about at length, has a lot of value to a, a very select few teams. He he's got a chance to be Clint Capella in like four years. And the Rockets are trying to trade the guy that they <laughs> right. just, they're trying to trade Capella I mean, after that, just signing to an extension. I, I actually don't think that I think that's a negative value contract already. Yes, I and, think they feel that way too. And it, I you know I think that you know, I'm happy, good for him for getting paid, but uh, you know I'm not sure exactly who I would have taken at eight, but I would have just taken Darius Garland at four. Yes. I mean, at eight, even if you took like even a guy like Tyler Harrow, like that's probably a better fit. Like I don't, I mean, I. I would have taken Sekou Boy at eight is actually who I would have taken. And yes. that's at the... What about Reddish? Would you have been well, okay with so that even? I would, have been t- I would have taken Reddish, but I would have asked Zion, hey, we're thinking about taking Reddish. What do you think about that? You know, like yeah. if, if he was like, oh, definitely take well, him. Well, I do wonder. Then I mean, you, I would, you, would, you would imagine that that was brought up to him, right? right. Like Reddish that, was there at eight. That's why, I, that's why I'm fine with them not taking yeah. him. Because I think if, if Zion wanted Reddish... Yeah, I don't think they would have passed on right. him, but I think that Zion yeah. was probably just like, eh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to say Zion didn't want Reddish, no. but I think it's fair to probably say that if he, Zion wanted Reddish, yeah. he could have made right. sure they got Reddish. Right, at exactly. You know, he could have made a strong enough case if he really wanted to. Um, but no, I'm with you. I, I understand. I, well, I, I, I actually think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a better prospect than Jackson Hayes, so I yes. think that they, they made up for the blunder to some extent by getting him, but it, it still was a wasted opportunity. Yes. I agree. I, I liked the Alexander Walker pick at 17. I thought that was really good value, but I guess I, I think it never really seemed like new Orleans considered if they were going to keep the number four pick It never felt like Garland was really on the radar. And I'm with you. He's the guy I would have wanted there. Um, I love that. I mean, I don't necessarily love the fit, I guess with Cleveland just cause they have to figure out the Colin Sexton thing, but we'll get to that in a second. I just don't understand, you know, if, if you have Drew Holiday, you know, maybe you're you're telling yourself Lonzo Ball is the point guard of the future. You don't want another guard. Drew Holiday is 29. You know, the timeline that the rest of these guys are on is, you know, three, four, five years down the road. I, I think you can still take Garland and, you know, he's not going to play the biggest role right away. You know, maybe that's some sort of concern, but you took another guard, you know, later middle of the first round anyway. Like why, why not just take Darius Garland, who to me has a much higher ceiling than right. than Nikhil Alexander Walker, and certainly than Jackson Hayes. I don't know. To me, it just felt like they, you know, and, you, and certainly this isn't what happened, but it felt like they looked at mock drafts and like, oh, Jackson Hayes is supposed to go eight. Let's just take him at eight. It felt to me like they said we want a center, and he's the top center when on there our board. Aren't any other ones really? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I Goga, I think would have been a better fit even than than him. And I, I don't. It's tough to I say. I just don't. I don't think. Like I think. They're not in a mode where team need should factor in to the draft, especially right, at exactly. fourth and overall or even eighth yes, overall. Like, they factored the in their 29-year-old starting point guard 
well, and like, I felt like they sacrificed within, value because of that. I think in six months, they might be looking to trade either Drew Holiday or Lonzo Ball. Like I, I think that yep. there's a chance. There's a chance that, like, say you take Darius Garland, there's a chance that you start to look at your core in six months and say, man, Garland and Drew Holiday fit pretty well together, yes. or Garland and Lonzo Ball sure. fit pretty well together. And then so now it gives us the freedom to go trade Drew Holiday exactly. in his prime. Uh, and it just seemed like that they and, – and what do you need around Zion more than anything? You need shooting. And Darius Garland yes. was the best shooter probably in the entire draft when you factor in like other skills like i mean maybe yeah. well could, i mean at least among point guards like yeah. cameron johnson sure he's the best shooter but that's he's like well, a, he's a spot up 45 shooter. years old <laughs> yeah um i mean at the very least and I, I don't think teams really think like this but darius garland's just an asset you know like right. even if he's playing 15 minutes a game for you to start the year he still has value you know like if if you love the fit with lonzo and drew and you're comfortable signing drew holiday and you know into his mid-30s at some point then you can trade Darius Garland. It just felt to me like, you know, they, they did a good a good job of turning that pick into two pretty valuable picks, but I wasn't really blown away, you know, with the Alexander and Walker I, pick or certainly the Hayes pick. I, and I almost think I, you know, it's nice to get off of the Solomon Hill contract, but what are they even going to do with that space? Yeah. And then, like, let's say they don't really do much in terms of, like adding people with that space that that really get us excited i think you could make a case they would have been better off just taking dander hunter at four and not, yeah. <laughs> not trading back at all so uh yep. interesting to see how that'll play out but I, I i thought that that was it was a great like if you just look at the asset for asset mm-hmm. that trade without looking at the draft the players drafted i think it was a great trade yes. by the pelicans but then when seeing what they did with those yes. picks like it just didn't make any sense the combined value of who they got at eight and 17 to me didn't match what they could have gotten at number four right i agreed what do you think of this idea you know david griffin has said we don't want to bring zion into you know the situation that so many number one picks are brought into davis in new orleans lebron in cleveland Kyrie in cleveland i mean most number one picks go into a bad situation for at least two or three years no matter what like even if they just cut it off right now and don't use any of this cap space zion's going to be in a much better situation than the average number one pick or even the average top five pick what do you think of this idea of them being in on someone like al horford or nick vucevic you know some of these kind of lower tier two you know maybe even lower tier one type of free agents you know an attempt to kind of pseudo contend right away uh i don't like i mean i think there's a certain price where I think going after Al Horford would make sense to me. Um, I I think a guy like Dwayne Dedman is is probably the type of player I would be going after, like someone that just gives you a very capable center who can stretch a little bit, who can like save. Because I think eventually Zion is there center in in crunch time units but i don't think you want to put that type of wear and tear on him in year one or Mm -hmm. even year two so like getting sort of a a bridge center that'll allow him to play the four in his first couple seasons would make a lot of sense i think you want to be careful to not tie up like because just realistically no matter who they add uh over the next three years like they're not going to win a title in the next three years like i i just don't really see how that would happen it would be it would see be, how brandon ingram is yeah <laughs> i think you still you're still in asset collection mode and evaluation mode of 
Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, uh, et cetera. And I think that, you know, making sort of a four-year, $100 million investment in a guy like Vucevic or something Mm -hmm. like that, it really kind of uh, limits your flexibility going forward. And I think you just want to be as flexible as possible and just try to get guys that kind of fit Zion's uh, window a little bit better. I mean, Horford it'd be fun to see Horford on this team and just sort of see if they could push up to like the, the fifth or the sixth seed. And I think that'd be really fun. But I mean, still like at the end of the day, what is that? What, what's the end game yeah. there really? Um, so I, I, I don't really like the idea of going out for that type of a, a player, but I mean, mm-hmm. just a, a very competent center that can shoot, I think yep. makes sense. Yeah. I think if you want to make a move like that next summer, depending on how things go this year that's maybe the time to do it because like you said you need to be in this evaluation period because you have guys like Blonzo and Ingram whose contracts are coming up in the next few years I don't think you want to commit four or five years to a veteran um, who you're then maybe forced to trade or give up an asset to trade you know a year or two later and you don't even know that I mean maybe they think they know but I don't think they should feel like they have to uh, include Brandon Ingram or Lonzo Ball in their future plans, like past this year. I mean, to me, the the big big win in that trade was just the picks. Like, oh yeah, like it, you you could even not have Brandon Ingram in that trade at all, and it's still a great trade because of those future picks. Yes. So I don't think they should feel like they have to match whatever Brandon Ingram gets right. after this year if they don't think he fits well with Zion. I think it's it's the picks, and with that, it's the it's the length with which you like have those picks at your disposal. Like think of how we've been talking about these future, you know, like the, the Kings pick that just went to Boston this past draft, that 2021 uh, heat pick, you know, I, I don't even know who owns that right now. Um, like those picks have been out there for so long and are kind of like these borderline crown jewel type of assets. The, the Pelicans have like three of those now and they can, you know, whenever they feel like they want to cash in on somebody, they can trump just about anybody's offer based on picks alone. And then you have these other young players that can be thrown into deals. So I think one way to look at it is, you know, they're the team that can try to kind of rehab this this fairly promising young core. But at the same time, to me, like whenever the next disgruntled superstar asks yeah. out, whether it's like, Carl Towns, somebody like that, they, yeah. they have the chips to go get whoever they want now. Yeah, like three years from now, they could go get anyone. I mean, there's yeah, just so, so many good team building tools at their disposal right right now and uh conversely like the lakers don't have any of those team building tools like they 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 cannot attach picks to get off of contracts like that's (laughs) that's something that a lot of people have brought up recently is like the lakers have given no indication that they're good at you know signing non-superstars who are not locks to be good like lebron james and anthony davis if they sign someone to a two or three year deal that just ends up not working out like they're going to end up if they want to get rid of that player they're going to end up getting negative value in return like you can't you yeah. can't attach a pick for someone to take a contract because you have no picks it's a situation where like the best general managers in the league like if if uh you put Daryl Morey in charge of this Lakers situation i would feel pretty confident about his ability to make it work and like make uh big gains like in the margins and Mm -hmm. go identify those undervalued free agents on cheap deals and and go get those guys and make like really shrewd trades uh but i i mean that a really good general manager can make this situation work uh whoever's running the lakers i don't have any faith in them being able to make it work right now but hey they got max caps space now 
They do. Uh, we should, yeah, we should talk about that. So the biggest news today is that LeBron has given number 23 to Anthony Davis. Um, not, I, never something I even considered, to be honest. I kind of forgot Davis was number 23. Uh, LeBron has not announced which number he will switch to. Presumably number six, which was occupied last season by Lance Stevenson, also previously worn by Josh McRoberts, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Adam Morrison, Earl Clark, Eddie Jones, the list goes on. Um, but they dumped Isaac Bonga, Jamario Jones and Mo Wagner mm-hmm. on the Washington Wizards. So they now will have max cap space as of July 6th, I believe. So that to me is kind of the underrated point in this is that they're not going to be able to truly be players when free agency opens on Sunday night. You know, they can they can meet with mm-hmm. players, they can kind of maybe have a handshake deal, but you know, if we see Kawhi Leonard commit to the Clippers on July 3rd and Jimmy Butler, you know, resigns in Philly on July 4th, you know, I don't, by that time to me, you're, you know, you're kind of have this five day period where the guys you're targeting could end up signing elsewhere. And if they don't, I think that maybe gives us a hint that, that they are more seriously considering the Lakers. Yeah. I, I think it's that this uh, timeline really uh, raises the stakes and, and makes it even more, possible for the lakers to completely screw this up because yes. you know some of their mid-range targets like uh you know danny green and pat beverly yeah. and guys like that they are not beholden to the lakers to to wait until no. like they, they they're not going to wait and say hey well if you're unable to get the right. max guy then i'll be waiting here like they, exactly they're going to jump on whatever's best for them yep and if the like the lakers if they're going to wait it out they better be very very confident about somebody taking that money because if if it gets to that date and they don't have anyone yes and they're forced to like pick from the you know second and third choices like that 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 is young baby (laughs) i mean he'd be a great fit he actually but he's (laughs) he's gonna be darren collison together but but he's gonna be in demand though you know yeah well no you're right i mean you're basically this is a team that has to fill like nine roster spots. You know, they don't, they don't have to go get one or two guys. They have to get an entire NBA basketball team, especially after today, you know, officially clearing out those final three spots. It's just Davis, LeBron. I think Brad Polinka, I'm going to just say Rob Polinka is calling the shots just for the mm-hmm. purpose of the podcast. But I mean, who, who the hell knows? But I mean, he's kind of infamous for sort of working alone and not utilizing the like scouts and like analytics people at his disposal and like this is a all hands on deck type of situation you need to have like all your best and brightest like all like working together in Kurt Rambis, Linda Linda Rambis, Jeannie Buzz, maybe bring magic back in. Like, I mean, every, all (laughs) your, the full Rambis brain, a real meeting of the minds. They have any kids, (laughs) maybe bring them in. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a monumental task to fill out this roster to the best of their Uh, abilities. And I have no faith that it's going to, I'm just so excited to see how it goes because even if like, okay, like even if they, I'm sure Laker fans, everyone would say best case scenario, like we get Kawhi. Well, like even if they get Kawhi, like who, how good is their fifth best player going to be? Like, and who is Pretty that? Bad. Who is Mello. that? Like Mello, like, oh yeah, I forgot. There it, are, so there are four Lakers under contract. We're counting Mello. <laughs> okay. He's on the team. I mean, it's just, you, you could be talking about a situation where a guy who would not play on 
like 25 yeah. other teams in the league is going to be averaging like 22 minutes a game on this team. Like, would, would you say over under 15 and a half game started for the Lakers next season for Ronnie Turioff? <laughs> it's I've, tough. I, don't, I have no idea what Ronnie Turioff's up to, but uh, I can I promise mean, you the Lakers are going to find out. What's what's Chris Mim doing? Oh, don't even say that name. <laughs> um, what I was going to say before is, like you said, if you have to wait until July 6th, you're basically telling all the Danny Greens and the Reggie Bullocks and the Terrence Rosses and the Thaddeus Youngs, like, hey, we just need you to wait. Um, <laughs> we're going to go chase this other guy. If we don't get him, then we'll give you a call. Like, how many of those guys are going to say, like, oh, yes, I'm totally willing to wait. You know, I, we're just going to, I'm going to hold up my entire free agency just so I can be your second option. You know, like, I think you're putting, no, you're and, putting yourself in an extremely precarious situation. And this is a, there's going to be a lot of guys in that sort of Thad Young, Danny Green range of player that are going to get contracts that make sort of casual fans just like do like whiplash and just right. be like, whoa, like, like Thaddeus Young got four years, yes. $60 million. Like how'd that happen? Well, there's just so much money going around and so many, uh, such a high percentage of the players in the league are free agents right. that they're going to have very appealing offers as soon as free agency begins. Yep. And they're not they're like that class of free agent isn't the like i'm gonna go chase a ring with lebron and ad level exactly. of free agent they're still guys that feel like yeah. they can be like key pieces well especially when the money team. is so different like you said you know what I, I think when like when the heat first came together in in 2011 you saw a lot of like your mike miller types were willing to take a pretty deep discount because right. you know it looked like a complete lock to get a title and you know obviously it wasn't in year one but it was in year two and three so probably worth it for most of them but when you're asked to take a pay cut or take the mid-level exception, you know, when you're 30 years old, yeah, I, I think for those guys, you know, we've seen enough super teams be compiled that it's not just a guaranteed ring. And for a lot of these guys, they're still young enough that I don't think they're in just ring chasing mode. You know, it, it's a lot to ask a guy to wait five days to, you know, maybe ask him to take a 50% pay cut from what other Which, teams are offering. I, I just don't see the appeal, especially when the Lakers brand is probably as weak as it's been in a very long time. And it, it kind of leads me to believe, like I kind of wanted to see a list of all the, the clutch clients who are free agents, because I feel like you could see like four more of them go to the Lakers because of, because yeah. of this factor where like, the only way like a re- a good free agent's going to wait on the Lakers is if their agent is yeah <laughs> trying to steer guys to the Lakers. You well, know who's I mean? the one guy they brought in via the draft? Taylor Horton Tucker, clutch client. They basically bought back into the second round to grab him. I think, like you said, I think we're going to see like, a lot of that. I mean, KCP might be back. Yes. I mean, like uh, who who are some other? I mean, they're uh, basically going to be right. Well, Jordan Clarkson just switched over. He's sure. he's not a free agent <laughs> until next season, but you know, there's always a way. I think we're going to see a lot of kind of IOUs with clutch clients where it's like, hey, you know, if you come here, you know, maybe shave a couple million off your contract, but we'll make sure you get it back on your next deal. Things like that, which is basically what they've been doing with KCP for the last two years. Um, Reggie Bullock still very much up in the air. I, I think they have a cap hold on him. Like they have the ability to bring him back, but he's another guy where they you, need they kind of need to bring him back. Yeah. Because of that cap hold like they. He, well, I that's mean, the thing. You're not you're not. Their, he could be their sixth best player next year. Pretty he, could like, he could be like their fourth best player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if things don't go right. <laughs> the other thing, I've kind of come around like my, if you trust the Lakers to make the right moves, I think you and I are on the same page that they should spread this out and get a deeper team rather than too top heavy. But the kind of guys that you're looking at, like if you split up that 34 million among three players, 
you know, you're not even getting a guy like Danny Green might cost more than that this summer. You know, like the caliber of player, like could you get Patrick Beverly even in that range? Like to me, at some point, it becomes more worth it to chase the star if the two or three mid level guys you're getting, you know, are are sixth or seventh men or or worse on a lot of teams that are deeper. Well, I I think the track record of these uh, super teams like the the pieces have to fit and uh like i was i was trying to make this point when we had you on the the radio show uh yesterday i believe that like people look at the warriors and just say oh well like i mean they were just super top heavy like they they had you know they didn't have a ton of depth and they they still won all those titles but like the a the pieces just fit so perfectly i mean clay thompson yep. is just the the perfect third wheel there with with steph and kd and draymond green is uh, a perfect complimentary superstar and Andre Iguodala is like who cares what he does in the regular season he's an awesome awesome player in the postseason and you're just not no matter what they do they're not going to be able to put together a one through five that's that good or even a mm-hmm. one through four that's that good and I, I just think that you should try to kind of take a, a page out of like sort of what the bucks and the raptors did last year and just try to make the pieces all fit perfectly around lebron and ad and like they you don't have to have some stud as your third best guy like it can be a bunch of guys that are about as good as kyle kuzma because your top two guys are so Mm -hmm. good and like that's that's what i would be trying to do just because i think it gives you more i mean like if lebron or ad get hurt like they're not going to do anything that year anyway but you you want it to only be two guys that could get hurt that derail your season instead of like any of three guys mm-hmm. get hurt and your season's completely right. off the track. I mean, look at most NBA rosters. Somebody's going to get hurt at some yeah. point. Somebody's going to miss whether it's consecutive or not. Someone's going to miss twenty games for that team next year. And you know what happened last year? It can't happen again. You can't just go in the tank. And we've what's a little concerning to me is like if you're teaming up on LeBron and Steph or LeBron and KD, you lose one of those guys, your team's still going to be good enough you know to to kind of tread water until that guy comes back like anthony davis has not exactly proven that he's a one man no you know he's gonna you know keep you above the five seed or even keep you in the playoffs when he's when he's by himself so like my concern and you know this was never even something that was brought up before last year because lebron has been so durable if he misses 25 games again anthony davis is going to be in a situation where he has a worse supporting cast than he had in new orleans when before the trade demand, you know, they were a 10 seed in the West. And have a worse supporting cast, a worse coach. A, like, well, hey, the, <laughs> better assistant coach. Well, the, I mean, I would take the, if I said over under LeBron misses 13 and a half games this year, like, I, I would, think I would o- take the over, over, slightly over. I yeah. think he probably misses seven or eight games due to a minor injury at some point. And then, you know, I, I mean, think he should have there's some still going to be some rest nights. There, yes. But, he, and, and, he will. and then, like, AD. I don't know. I'd probably say he's going to miss eight or nine games. I mean, yep. that's just sort of his track record. And right. uh, maybe you just get the perfect healthier from those two guys and they go get like a top three seed. But even even if you get a perfect healthier out of those two guys, I still think you need to nail this free yeah. agency. Uh, so it's just going to be fascinating to see how they do. Like I, I – I could see it working out pretty well, but I could also see a scenario where everyone's just like, wait, like who did they give 12 million a year to? Like, I think they're going to try to overcorrect, you know, last year, 
that's basically what everybody, every free agent they brought in, that was the reaction. This year, you know, publicly at least, they've said we're getting shooting. They're going back to the old LeBron model, the one that's worked for 15 years, not the other one that right. they tried last year. Uh, but yeah, I think it, c- it could get to the point, especially if they stall in free agency and are holding out for somebody that they don't end up getting on July 6th. We might see them, you know, kind of force overpay your Terrence Ross types, you know, guys who, in theory, you would like on your team, but not for the price that they're going to end up paying. I mean, if they went and got like Darren Collison, Terrence Ross, Thad Young, and like those were just their three most expensive guys, I would honestly say that that's that's a win. That's a that's yeah. a good off season, and I'm not even confident that they multiple can pull starters. That off. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not flashy to go target Thaddeus Young, but like those are the type of guys you know that are durable defense and shooting right all they should be worried about is defense and shooting like they don't need anyone to Mm -hmm. create offense they don't need uh any kind of primary ball handler or anything it's just defense and shooting what do you make of do you want to start with the the butler rocket sign and trade or uh celtics reportedly being in the lead for kemba well let's start with the celtics being in the lead for kemba because i think that one's a little easier to to break down okay go ahead uh, well, I think it would be a really nice pivot by them. Um, I agree. They, you know, I don't know what they're going to do at center. That's that's a more pressing need, I feel like. <laughs> that's an issue right now. I, right now it's Daniel Tice and Robert Williams. and uh, So they, they need to do something at center. But I think letting Terry Rozier go is probably just the right move for everyone at this point i i think it it's just it's a weird relationship there uh but if you if you go into next year with uh kemba marcus smart jalen brown jason tatum gordon hayward i mean that's gonna end up being a top six or seven roster mm-hmm. in the league so i think that that would be a really nice pivot and i'm expecting massive years out of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum kind of no matter what I, I just think it's just yep kind of a given that I, especially Tatum I think Tatum's just gonna have a monster third year and so you know just getting that amount of shooting and, and playmaking mm-hmm. uh, at spots one through four would be pretty impressive but yeah they're they're still gonna have to find a center yeah that's the biggest question mark to me I mean I think you can make an argument that while Kyrie is probably the better player, what you're what you're gaining in terms of just continuity, locker room presence, things like that, um, you know, this team could win more games than it did last year. Like you know, like you said, Jason Tatum, you know, presumably bouncing back after well, last Gordon year. Gordon Hayward's I mean, he can't be worse. Like he I mean, can't be worse. I, I have I, I'm not exactly expecting him to all of a sudden zap back to being a top twenty guy, but you know, he can't be worse, like you said. He's at at, at the very worst, he's a very good role player. I think it's possible that they, like, if they got Walker, I think it's possible you could say at the end of next season that Walker, Tatum, Hayward, and Jalen Brown were all top 60 players in the league. Sure. And that, that's a right. formula for 50-plus wins. Yeah. Well, the question is, how valuable is Horford? And we're going to find out because if they pour all that money into Kemba, you know, you're starting to look at the bargain bin for centers. And, you know, I mean, Dwayne Dedman, a name you threw out before, would make a lot of sense. I, I don't know if they could make that work cap-wise. Um, but, you, you know, it's going to be a stopgap type of player like that. So, you know, I, I think I think they'll still be a top four or five team. 
certainly it with the Kemba edition. And, and if they don't get Kemba, I, it's kind of the same situation if you go get Vucevic and you keep Rozier. Like, I still feel pretty good about this roster. I, I don't feel as good about it as I did going into last year. But for as much as, you know, it seemed like the sky is falling for Boston, still having that core of Brown and Tatum, Smart, Hayward, you know, there are, there are 20 teams in the league that would take that over what they have right now. Yeah, I think they're they're just going to be a, a pretty easy uh, bounce back team type of candidate where last year expectations were just way too high and it was just a worst case scenario uh, regular season for them. Uh, you know, going after guys like Kemba, I think makes, makes a lot of sense and uh, you know, goodbye Charlotte, it seems cool. for being willing to not offer him the five year full max because Oh, I thought you were saying goodbye. Like, oh no, we're never no. going to see them on TV no, for I mean, the next like, ten years. I, I feel like <laughs> Kemba would. There's an offer that Charlotte's capable of making him that I don't think he would turn down. And so the fact that he is probably going to sign with the Celtics reportedly yep. means that Charlotte has shown some restraint and not offered him that, yes. that full max. Yeah, I mean, we haven't. I think there were reports that they offered him five years, but not quite the full supermax which is the right thing to do i mean well I'd, to me the right thing to do is to not offer him anything but yeah if, well i think if you, you were to, thinking along those lines you would have traded him like right two years exactly ago, so. I, I think yeah the fact that they didn't get value for him you know you have to at least make the gesture and you know maybe they're secretly hoping you know with their fingers crossed behind their backs that he turns it down and it looks like that's what's going to happen but i mean i said to you earlier what are they going to win 15 games next year like this roster was already even if you bring kemba back you know, they weren't a playoff team last year. You lose by far your best player. I think there's a bigger gap between one and two in Charlotte last year than maybe any other team. And now that guy's gone. You have no, you know, you can't replace him. It's kind of a a Middleton type of situation where him walking doesn't all of a sudden free up $30 million. I I mean, this team, half the roster centers, the other half is guys who are drafted 12th overall and just haven't developed who, if you take Kemba Walker away from this team, who is their best player going into next year? Maybe Jeremy Lamb if they bring him back. I don't, he's a free agent, too. I mean, right. who would want to come back Actually, to that? Jeremy Lamb would be a great fit with the Lakers. Uh, I could see that. Um, I mean, Miles Bridges, I guess. I mean, maybe... Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams, Co- is, the, Zeller, Marvin like Williams Marvin is the top Williams. returning scorer if Walker and Lamb are both gone. Um Tony Parker was the fifth leading scorer for the team. PJ Washington, <laughs> yeah, I mean PJ Washington. Somebody, somebody has to lead this team in scoring. Someone's going to average like seventeen a game for them. Oh man, I mean, it's going to be. Brutal. I think you, I don't think you were that far off with your Malik Monk tweet. Uh, I, yeah, I did I, a I tweet. Think, I think you, I think you were right about the field goal percentage. I don't even think with just no restrictions he could get to twenty five a game. So I, it might be like. 18 and a half a game on just legendary efficiency just <laughs> ultimate green light can't even get to right. 20 a game but that's in play all right hear me out i'm gonna pitch you on an idea <laughs> isaiah thomas <laughs> mj it i think that, that i think that that would be frank kaminsky um uh, a really that's gonna happen <laughs> i think it would be fine i'd be fine with that uh i i'd Mellow. Let, let Isaiah go out on his own terms, uh, leading the leading the sixteen and sixty four Hornets in scoring. Or whatever. I feel like he'd be totally fine with that at this point. He is a gym rat. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, I've seen the Hornets as a possible dumping ground for Chris Paul. 
and they right. could, in a in a desperation move to stay relevant, they just dump their bad contracts for Chris Paul's bad contract, and right. theirs have fewer years. Right. Yeah. I mean that. Um, that's not off the table. Maybe not this that, year. I think that that's that that should be sort of a be careful what you wish for Chris Paul type of outcome of like you know he, he worked everything perfectly to get himself uh, the the most money possible under the CBA, uh, but then he has to just finish out the contract in in purgatory. That would yeah. Well, I mean he's a North Carolina guy, Jordan connection, Jordan, Jordan Brand. Yeah, like yeah. it. I just think he's probably he's like two years away from being resigned to the fact that that's like his career arc. Like I think Chris in Chris Paul's mind, he's still a top 10 player right? and needs to be in the conference finals <laughs> to prove that. So the, the Jimmy Butler, like you, I need you to explain this oh, to boy. me because I personally don't understand what would be in it for the Sixers to go along with this. Like what, what's, what is Houston theoretically offering somebody else that makes this worthwhile for the other party like i understand why houston wants jimmy butler right i think it would be a hilarious combination of chris paul jimmy butler james harden like yes. just seeing if those guys can not kill each other but uh Which how, would. what what's in it for whichever other team to kind of facilitate this sign and trade so i think first we should say what's in it for philly you would need you would need Jimmy Butler to tell the 76ers he doesn't want to be back. Right. So to give them with, you know, their option would be I'm either walking or you're getting something for me. Right. Um, I mean, it's similar. I think the most recent example would be the Chris Paul Clippers to the Rockets type of situation where. Right. But, but so even, even if he says that though, yep. uh, wouldn't they prefer to just resign Tobias Harris then with that money? And then I think like they JJ Redick and yeah, then, I think they like, still do. I think they're. I think it's <clears> plan. It, it, the plan continues for those guys, but I think for Butler, you're just trying to return value. So as I understand it, Houston would have to offload Capella, Gordon, and Tucker to free up the money to bring in Jimmy Butler. And the way they were going about it yesterday is they were shopping those three guys to different teams, not necessarily as a package. It's you know it's just easier mm-hmm. to do three separate deals given the money involved. So you clear the money by dealing those guys, and in one one or multiple of those deals, you're getting picks back. So then you offer the picks to Philly as compensation for Butler. Okay. So Philly, Philly is just getting picks back. That Philly, that in theory, would just sense. yeah. Okay. I mean, they could bring a low cost player in, but yeah, in theory, they're just getting picks, future picks, so they don't count against the cap right away. Um, and then basically, what you you need Jimmy Butler to ask out first, which right. by all accounts he's not done. So it just it does seem like they're, you know, I said to you earlier, like I don't I don't understand how this isn't tampering to some degree. I don't know, maybe we're in like a non tampering zone. Why would I just don't know why Jimmy Butler would want to do that? It seems I don't either. This seems like I can't imagine a worse. Why do situation the Rockets want to do this to go to if you're like a player that think you're as good as jimmy butler like you go to a team where two other guys on the team yeah. think they're better than you when one's clearly not and one clearly is but like they're all you're all like kind of coming at well, the, the worst of, of the three thinks he's like, the best of the right like i mean it just and even like you get all three of those guys together then this is kind of like a worse version of the lakers where it's just yeah. like well who are the other players on this team and right like I don't well, know. it's and it's worse constructed too because you yeah. have you have two point guards and like a shooting guard who can sometimes play the three, 
Whereas at least the Lakers' two best players play two different positions, and like one is a ball handler, one is a, a rim runner and a pick and roll guy. Like, right. wasn't at Houston's... least at least like, the Lakers' two best players they can run a pick and roll? Yes, together. right. Like, but well, you're gonna run the the Butler Paul <laughs> pick and roll. And then, what was the biggest problem we kept bringing up about the Rockets last year was they don't have enough NBA caliber players. Their six right. through nine guys were just terrible, and like this right. just makes that problem so much worse. I, I there was an really, argument that Eric Gordon was better than Chris Paul for most of last yeah. year. I mean, I I totally get that. Like to to win a championship, you need uh, you definitely need like one top five player. Uh, most championship teams have multiple top fifteen players. The uh, Raptors did not. The twenty eleven Mavs did not. But I just I, I'd prefer to build a team. Uh, like the way the Raptors did or the way the the Bucks did then to do what it seems like the Rockets and Lakers are probably trying to do where it's just a it's just too far in one direction in terms of being too top heavy I I just don't see how that works really in the playoffs especially just I mean it, it it's it got borne out in uh, I think the, the NBA Finals. I mean that obviously those injuries hurt, but I mean it, you had one team that was just super deep and all the pieces fit perfectly, and that was mm-hmm. the team that, that ended up winning. I think that it would just be uh, a desperate attempt by the Rockets to that wouldn't really amount to what they would hope yeah. it would. Um, yeah, I just I just don't see the fit at the end of the day. Like even if you make that work, you're bailing on Capella, who I know got played off the floor in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I think they they think they can probably find someone who does 70 to 80% of what he does at, you know, 15% of the cost. So I think part of it is getting off of that deal, but you're then bringing in an older player, significantly older player on what would be a four-year max presumably for Jimmy Butler. So like, you know, that that bad contract, quote unquote, that you just got off of, you then replace with arguably a worse contract. Yeah. I I think that Daryl Morey has to be eyeing the door and like plotting his escape plan because if you get uh Jimmy Butler on a max next to Chris Paul's max, I mean, I don't care how good James Harden is, that team is just heading in a, a really bad yeah. direction two or three years from now. I think it's really really interesting what happened with the Warriors injuries because I think Houston maybe more so than any team like their offseason plans changed on a dime because of that you know I think they now feel like their window is is kind of been propped back open when it looked like it was slammed shut right and now it seems like they're in desperation mode to take advantage of that yeah I I it's it's des- definitely desperation uh but they, they've been in desperation mode for about three years, I guess. That's not fair. I think it's just a – it's kind of a shame that this is – like, I feel like Harden's entire prime is just going to not amount to any tangible playoff success, and it's going to all be blamed on him. But <clears throat> I think in I think some of it is, is deserved, but I think some of it is just uh, bad luck and bad timing. Does he have a single memorable playoff moment to date? um positive playoff yeah, moment. I was gonna say um <laughs> plenty of plenty of negative ones I don't I don't know I, I don't yeah. really think so but um how many teams you know we've talked about how wide open the league is right now how many teams at this moment are you willing to cross out as non-playoff contenders I don't want to say title because that you know that's half the league but like which teams are you just for sure are not going to be good I will start by nominating the so Hornets, Hornets. obviously we already said them um the Knicks 
The Knicks, obvious. Cavs. Cavs are obvious. still going to be bad. Um, Bulls and Hawks. I think the Hawks are actually going to make the playoffs. Uh, the Bulls, I almost included. I think they could sneak in. Uh, the Grizzlies aren't going to do anything. Um, no, they're going to be bad. And they should be bad. The I'm willing to cross off the Suns. I, I'm willing to. I'm, I'm, like, I'm also willing to. If cross they get D'Angelo Russell, to me, that doesn't change no, anything. No, no. I think I'm willing to cross off the T Wolves. What like what is their path to improving over last year? Just being slightly healthier, I guess. Like does get does a full year of Robert Covington make I the difference? In, I think in the West, I'm also yeah. going to cross them off. Um, that might be it for me. Oh, I I'll, I'll cross the Wizards off too. Oh yeah, of course. I I wasn't even <laughs> that's free space. I think that's it though. Yeah. Well, so in the East, that still leaves. Like I didn't two. I didn't cross off the Magic. I didn't cross off right. Well, they're uh, a playoff team last year. They're right, not right. Although if they lose Vooch and don't replace him. If they roll out Mobamba as a starting center, I'm willing to cross them off. Sure. And they don't get a point guard, which I don't know who that is right now. I mean, I didn't cross off the Heat, but like that's just kind of well, out of I mean, who knows? You know what, they're going to be who, with who, if they miss the playoffs, they'll miss it by about 2 games. Right. So you can't uh, cross them off. I think the top the, six I mean the are Pistons, like the Pistons, like I oh boy. who knows what they're trying to do. I mean, Blake Griffin's probably still a top like 6 or 7 player in the East, mm-hmm. so but they're borderline did you see i forget if it was in an article or in a pod somebody threw out a blake griffin to portland trade it's built around like collins layman simons basically a salary dump for detroit assuming that halfway through the year you know they're not looking like anything's going to be happening man if you can get collins and layman that's, that's yeah and layman. i think it's one or the other yeah <laughs> and simons um yeah, I just thought that was an intriguing I, fit. I, I, I think, think it was on the ringer pod. I think the Blazers are positioned to really make some noise this year if they do a lot of smart things this offseason. And I think that that is something they share with. I mean, we already saw Utah kind of make their move. Um, but I think like the Spurs, uh, the Nuggets, the Mavs, like there's a, a handful of teams mm-hmm. out west, like the Clippers, obviously. Uh, there's a handful of teams out west that are like a really good off season away from yes. being like top four team in the in the west so the west is going to be once again super deep um you know other than those three or four teams we're willing to cross off like the lakers are going to be back in the playoffs you know barring a catastrophe i think a lot of people would be willing to put dallas in that mix you know probably in the six seven eight range i think sacramento you know looked like they were going to be there until their late season slide they'll be better if there are two or three teams, and I mean, a lot of people think New Orleans too is going to be in the mix. I'd, I'm a little skeptical on that. But if three, two to four teams from the West are going to move into the playoffs, we'll say like which two to four teams are going to fall out because, you know, Golden State, even even losing Durant and Clay, you know, they're certainly not a team well, you would just kick out of the playoffs. And I, the, the teams below them, I feel like, are at least going to be just as good. I think the, I mean, I think the Warriors could miss the playoffs because I think that there's a chance. If, I mean, I uh, this might be something that uh, Joe Lacob wouldn't be on board with necessarily, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that they would be really smart to kind of take this as a year to uh, not put a bunch more uh, like high leverage miles on on Steph Curry's body and give Clay like 
a month extra than he probably actually needs to get right and mm-hmm. just try to position themselves as best they can for a run the following season because I think like doing everything you can and leaving it all out there just to get back into the playoffs and get bounced like yeah I it doesn't make that much long-term sense to me so I, I could see the Warriors like coming out like playing you know as, as well as they can with what they have but then maybe kind of pumping the brakes a little bit and you know maybe mm-hmm. moving into the lottery and, yes. and trying to reload a little bit uh so I, I think it's possible they could fall out and the clippers i mean if they don't get Kawhi, they could very easily fall out mm-hmm. and um san antonio to me is like. there if, i mean they'll get Dejounte back which certainly helps but i'm really interested to see what san antonio does this offseason uh because i think they like i said if they if they can somehow add an impact piece uh they would have to probably free up cap space with like a dumping DeRozan or something like that but i think they're very much open to doing that oh, i i, I agree. that could be a charlotte piece but i mean you could you could I, I could see san antonio winning a playoff series or not even making the playoffs i think there's yeah. a they've been in that zone that. really since you know the, the last like two three years and for the most part we give them the benefit of the doubt and they've they've earned that um the thunder like they're not getting any better no i'll say that i think they should be as good you know i mean with i mean paul george had two shoulder surgeries that hasn't been highly publicized but both of his shoulders were in horrific shape by the end of that season and maybe things go a little bit differently if he's healthy but they're still not a title contender to me if paul george was a shell of himself like say in the first half next year i think they could miss the playoffs and i don't think they're not a team i trust to dig themselves out of a hole i'm not going to rule out them pulling some sort of steven adams trade-off like even if it doesn't necessarily make them better Mm -hmm. just kind of shaking it up because i think it's pretty clear that the team they have right now isn't going to win a championship and like the ownership group is paying a lot of money for this team that's not going to win a championship i agree so. but i also think they'll talk themselves into them winning it this year with the warriors being down you <laughs> okay, know well i get, think they'll say past, like, at get, one point last year we were third in the west we were ready and then yeah, gotta you get, know paul gotta got get hurt. past the blazers first right um but to go back to your point about the warriors i'm with you i mean you look at the mid 90s spurs 55 wins 62 wins 59 wins 20 wins 56 wins uh and then the next year they won the finals because they got I, Tim Duncan. My idea was to, and I mean, we don't really know what Kevin Durant's going to do. My idea, though, was to try to lock him and Clay up on max deals, but try to possibly front load the deals so they're paying more money in this year where they're just kind of punting mm-hmm. and freeing up money down the line, like knowing that they're. Like would you second dynasty window sort of opens in a in a couple of years would you be keeping duran in that scenario or like sign and trade him no i'd be keeping i'd be keeping duran keeping clay uh paying a gigantic luxury tax bill in a non-competitive yep. year which is a tough pill for the owner to swallow but they're making arena, so much money be, like they're making so much money with those season arena. tickets yeah. renewals came in in what february yeah. march I mean, there's there's no worry about the that. the wealth that it takes to have season tickets in that new arena i mean it yeah. it I think that yeah. they could just there's ways that they could go about this where they would not really be a factor this year but mm-hmm. then 2020 21 they go in as the yes. overwhelming favorites again. I think almost the best case scenario is Steph suffering some sort of like non long-term injury that they just drag out and he sits the final 
35 games you know steph, you have a built-in excuse steph gets tommy john surgery yes yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know what i'm saying like i was gonna say he sprains his ankle again but i think well, like i don't I think you don't want, I don't that want any yeah. kind of ankle anything. right yeah he i don't know he <laughs> slips on a mcdonald's bag and punches through a tv yeah. like carlos boozer something yeah. like that and you can just like oh he's just not ready and at some point it becomes excusable like he breaks like a finger in his eye right. hand or something like yeah that. well i think for any team that's been on a run like this it's hard to look back and just like the Warriors are like back to real life now. And it might even be worse than real life for most teams with the injuries that they have. Um, and I think the, the run that they've been on and the roster they assembled is partially like why this Lakers team feels incomplete, you know, other than the fact that it's literally incomplete because they have four players or like teams like the Sixers, like that Sixers roster that they had last year, you know, prior to the heat era and the Warriors era would have been like the best assemblage of talent that we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think the Warriors set the bar so high that other teams, you know, unless you get that third super superstar, like your third guy has to be a perennial all-star. It can't be Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, teams feel like it's a failure unless they get that. And I think we kind of lose sight of how hard it is actually and how fluky in some ways it was to actually build a team that's that good, let alone fits together as well as they do, you know, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it's so much is going to change over the next like 10 days in terms of where we think the balance of power is especially out west i mean i think Kawhi obviously like either he goes back and the uh, the raptors are you know probably the favorites again or he doesn't go back and then all of a sudden the bucks are probably right there with the sixers maybe as the favorites but uh, the west is just way more wide open we know who like the three to four potential contenders are in the east like there's nothing that those teams below them can do to to kind of move into that range like even if brooklyn got kyrie and kd they still won't have kd this year just having kyrie and no d'angelo russell that doesn't put them on that level so it's it's we know the four teams that can Mm -hmm. figure into things but out west there's like 11 teams that can figure into things. kd being off the table for next year changes everything almost more dramatically than Kawhi in some ways i think it's wherever kd had signed that team was going to be at least a top three team in the east or a top three team in the west and just having him like you know even if he had just gone to the Knicks by himself you know they would they're a team we'd say like they're making the playoffs maybe they're not winning the title but they're making the playoffs mm-hmm. and having that off the table does change everything um what if the Bucks don't bring Brogdon back how much does that hurt them uh I mean it would be you assume they replace him with like a George Hill type it'd be pretty devastating because uh he's just what he offers as a uh, another ball handler and a guy that can carry units when Giannis isn't on the court or Bledsoe isn't on the court is is huge. I mean, I think I'm going to operate as if they are bringing back Brooke Brogdon and Middleton until proven otherwise, and that's going to require their ownership group being willing to pay the tax most likely and if they are not willing to pay the tax on this team then that would just be one of the most disappointing things that you could see from a ownership group probably since the james harden trade like uh they they absolutely have to be willing to pay the tax and i just i assume they will but if they lose one of those three then all of a sudden i think uh depending on what the sixers and raptors do the bucks are maybe not even a top three or top two yep. favorite in the east no i agree i i've said all along i would prioritize brogdon i understand why you need to bring middleton back at that number but if you if you just told me you ha- you're losing one of these guys who would you rather lose i would rather lose middleton i disagree with that just because i 
I trust in what I'm getting from Middleton more. I think Brogdon's foot is a bit of an issue. I think Middleton has proven in the playoffs that he can make mm-hmm. extremely difficult shots. And I think his just the way he fits with Giannis is is really tough to, to beat. I mean, he's kind of like a poor man's Clay Thompson where he just sort of fits perfectly right. no matter who else is around him. Uh, Brogdon is super important. That's not a slight on Brogdon. I, just, I think Middleton's mm-hmm. – I know I know that, that Middleton's max contract is not going to end up looking all that great, but I just right. think he's a, a better player. Okay. One more thing before we get to your three biggest peeves of the offseason, which you, you texted me last night and said, I, I have an idea for the pod. That's a rarity. I was all on board. Um, but I want to ask you about NBA Rookie of the Year odds. We, we did a little thing on, on the website today, um, you know, one of our roundtables where we talked about MVP. So if you want to hear about that, go read that. Um, but Rookie of the Year odds. Let's say, let's say Zion Williamson gets hurt at some point, misses half the year, he's off the table. Because to me, that's kind of the only way. Like He has so much hype behind him. Uh, the only way that he doesn't win it, you know, I think the the best example well, he's, is he's probably also, he's also just really good. I mean, well, yeah, I of course. He, oh, I'm just saying he doesn't. He could be 80 percent of the player people think he is, and he'd still win it because he has so much hype. I think. Well, I, I think he could be 80 percent of the player and still win it just because 80 percent of him is still better than whoever you think the second best rookie in this class is, is he he's well so that's part of the question i guess he's that much far further ahead than to, to me yes especially Morant. in year one especially okay. in year one okay fair but um you look back 2012 13 anthony davis did not win rookie of the year didn't have a great great year i mean he he played under 30 minutes was you know kind of in and out of the lineup missed 18 games that was a big part of it so like there there is a path to someone sure. being the overwhelming favorite and not winning it so if, if it's not going to be zion who is it going to be FanDuel Sportsbook has Morant at plus 400, Barrett at plus 550, Garland at plus 1400, Kobe White plus 2000, Jared Culver plus 2000, DeAndre Hunter plus 2000, Michael Porter, interestingly, at plus 1600, uh, and then everybody else is kind of, you know, plus 3000 or above. Uh, I guess I would go with Morant and then... I mean the 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 writers vote on this, right? Yeah. Uh, I just don't think I don't think Barrett's going to win it because I think the efficiency and the team being just horrific is going to work against him a little bit. I I, th- I think there's a the path for Morant is that he comes into the league a slightly better three point shooter than I think we're expecting. Like if he comes in and is like a 34% three-point shooter from day one. I still th- I think he could average eight-plus assists as a rookie, which mm-hmm. would be incredibly impressive. And I think there's a chance that maybe like the way he fits with Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, maybe they win like 34 games, and that would be viewed as like a, a big success. So I think mm-hmm. that that's – and I think Morant's going to have the most highlight plays beyond, behind Zion, so I think that that'll help his case a little bit too. Uh, Garland, I think, will have – uh better numbers than some past rookie of the year winners but like in really weak classes yeah and but i just don't think being on the Cavs, i just don't think anyone's gonna really care so i mean people aren't gonna be like oh man I'm, i gotta tune in and watch darius garland play tonight whereas i think speak like, for yourself i think nerds will tune in to watch the grizzlies play uh, oh yeah because i think that's gonna be a fun team and so i think 
yeah, you throw maybe a little bit at that Morant line, and then maybe you throw a, a small bet on Garland just because I think the mm-hmm. odds are pretty favorable there. I like that you're out on Porter for Rookie of the Year. Like, even if he's really good, he's joining a great team. Like, what would he, he have to do? He play, like, 18 yeah, minutes right. a game. Like, yeah. At best, he's playing 15 minutes a game yeah. off the bench. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's kind of a sucker bet. I'm all on Barrett, though. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not claiming he's going to be a great player, but there are some very serious 2009 Tyreek Evans potential here. Tyreek Evans, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 1.5 steals, 45% from the floor, 25% from three. I, I, that that seems like something Barrett could replicate, and and you know, granted, that was a year where I think the runners up were Brandon Jennings and Steph Curry, mm-hmm. who you know had moments but were not great as rookies. So it wasn't an overwhelming class. Um, the Kings won twenty five games that year. Like I I don't know, it could happen. It's it's possible. I mean, he would be in my top four. Like I don't I don't think anyone outside of those four has a chance at all. Yeah, uh, I, Kobe White I think is a bad bet. DeAndre Hunter, no, no. chance. No, no, none of those guys really have a chance. Today. No, I'm looking down at the list. No, you can get Bull Bull at plus 7,500. <laughs> um, I do think Hatchamur is going to play minutes because I think Dwight Howard's going to get hurt and they have no other centers, you know, other than Thomas Bryant. I mean, okay, so I, I guess there's a there's a chance Kobe White could win it, but like I just I don't see him no. being that good. But just being a point guard makes right. it easier to win that award than being. <clears throat> he would a, have to win it. He would have to kind of have like a Shea type of season where. No matter what, his numbers aren't going to be great. But if the Bulls play much better than people think, mm-hmm. and he immediately supplants Chris Dunn and is kind of part of the reason they're playing well, I, I do though honestly think this is going to be kind of like uh, Joel Embiid's rookie season, though, where like Zion could miss like thirty-five games, and I still think he could win it. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him. Um, okay, let's get to your. <clears throat> Your three offseason yes. pet peeves. You can frame this how you want. You kept it pretty general in the well, text. So it's just, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, like, read a lot of NBA uh, stuff. And and there's just a few things that just I keep hearing smart people say that just really piss me off. And Oh, language. Uh, so I, I'll start from... I'll start, I'll start with one that I've complained to you about numerous times already this offseason. Uh because you're the only uh, Lakers fan I know, and that is well, the constant refrain of of people saying very strongly that the Lakers now have two of the five best players in the league, and it's I know it's a lot more fun. Like five's more of kind of like a, a round number than than seven or six or eight. Uh, <laughs> so I I know it's more fun to say two of the five best, but if you're saying two of the five best, then you're saying that one of Giannis, Harden, Curry, Kawhi is not only not in the top five, but not in the top six. Or maybe you're saying that Durant just, just for 2020, in which case you're not counting Durant, which I think is fine, but you have to frame it that way. And then you're still saying one of those guys is the sixth best player in the league for 2020. And I just don't see how you can say that. You can't say it about Kawhi. You can't say it about Giannis. Um, Maybe you could say it about Harden, but anything you want to say poorly about Harden, you can say about Anthony Davis. And yeah. and two. no, I'm with you on this. I, one, I didn't realize this was such a, a rampant issue. I guess I have not heard this as much as you have. But no, I'm on the record. There's seven guys who, to me, could be in any order, and Durant's still in the mix. I, I think I, it should be top seven, not top five. And I also think you could 
make a case that like oh boy. that AD and LeBron as regular season players are closer to like Lillard and Jokic and Paul George than they are to Giannis and Kawhi. Like I think you could make that All case right. at this point as well too. All right, well, let's just uh, go quickly through these last. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'll LeBron be as, comparing LeBron to Damian Lillard. Be as offended. Uh, well, Dame, Dame won more playoff games last year than LeBron. Um, so I say that a little louder. <laughs> uh, the next, the next one is people uh, applauding the Raptors for taking that risk in trading for Kawhi Leonard last year. Like, if you thought that that trade at the time of the trade was a risk on any level for the Raptors, then you are just a complete idiot because. Yep. The DeRozan contract's a bad contract. They got off of a bad contract and only had to attach Jakob Pertle to it. And I feel like I read that same story five times right after the finals. And they the got leap of faith. They got Danny Green. Danny Green was like arguably the second best player in the deal behind <laughs> Kawhi. Better than DeRozan on some like, nights. Like what? How is that a risk? Like it yeah. was just an awesome trade by Masai Ujiri. It was at the time. It still is. Like I just giving them like. Man, they took a risk and it paid off. Like, what yeah. the hell DeRozan's was the risk? value? DeRozan's <laughs> value was at its absolute lowest coming off of that disaster playoffs. Once again, I agree. I mean, look at the package that the Lakers got for their expiring star. And I, I understand that Kawhi, it's been it's been lost how big of a question mark his health was. I think, but you you didn't give up Jason Tatum to get him. You gave right. up your superstar, who or not even superstar star who is, you know, basically just making the turn to the, you know, the downside of his prime years. Right. I mean, I think you could very, On a bad contract. You could very easily argue that you take Kawhi completely out of that deal and they might have won more games with that deal than without that deal with just just making the Danny Green and DeRozan swap, I think. Uh, well, so so anyway, that's that's I'm with you on that. One. That 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 was a great one actually. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the last one is people referring to this Nick's young core even just saying like young core to me is kind of an oxymoron with this Nick's uh, roster but just kind young. of referencing it as like a like wow man they've they've got something going there they can build around like uh Kevin Knox and Dennis Smith maybe takes a leap forward and stuff like that none of these guys have proven they're good at all Alonzo like, Trier I think is in that mix <laughs> like none of I think like, I think I've seen a couple of usernames on Twitter Trier season <laughs> Just Nick's young core is just I, I am always just like, what are you talking about? It's just a bunch uh, of young guys who suck. Like how, they're all just bad. They like, had twenty three players suit up for a game last year. <laughs> like I mean, you could say Mitchell Robinson might be the best of that entire he core. Is, by and his, far, right? His upside is like Hassan Whiteside. Like what yeah. what's the what are we talking about here? Kevin Knox had one of the least efficient rookie seasons ever. Ever. He want, he had one of the worst NBA seasons of all time. Yes, by any measure. No, I'm, I'm also with you on this. Um, I actually like Mitchell Robinson a little more. I think he, he has better than Whiteside potential. But the fact that he's not the one that people are talking about when they say things like this, like people are really excited about Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith's bad. Kevin, Kevin Knox, Knox is bad. Frank Nilekin is bad. Alonzo Trier is bad. Like, I mean, all these guys Trey are, Burke had are some bad nice players. Minutes. And like RJ Barrett, he could be good. Uh, you know, I mean, if if your young core is basically R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, then you're just kind of any random bad team with that's been picking high in the yeah. draft recently. I mean, if you wanted to rank, I don't want to do this right now because I just don't want to eyeball it. But if you wanted to rank like the best young duos under 25 in the league, I don't know where Barrett and Robinson <laughs> comes in. It's, it's not in the top three. It's certainly not in the top five. 
it's just a you know like a real nice young core is like healed fox bagley yes Bogdanovich. yes like the pelicans have a good the young entire core. pelicans roster the, minus the, holiday is a nice young core the kings have a good young core the grizzlies have a good young core uh i mean i think the clippers have a good young core yes um the Suns have a decent young yeah, core. Yeah, the Suns have a better young core the by Hawks, far. The Hawks have a great young core. I mean, there's the you could, the Bulls have a better young yeah. core than Dallas. the Knicks have. The, the Mavericks. Like, there's, there's teams with good young cores. The Knicks are just not one of them. <laughs> All right, we'll end it on that note. Thanks for listening. Have a great 4th of July. Uh, we'll be back probably not for a couple of weeks. We got 4th of July next week and then rolling it right into the Roto Vegas trip. So we'll be back after that to, to break down Summer League.